In a world where uncertainty reigns supreme, where shadows of chaos dance at every turn, one truth emerges unyielding. Preparation is not a luxury, but a lifeline. Behold the Wellness Company, a beacon of readiness amidst the tempestuous seas of fate. Envision a sanctuary of tranquility, where the tumult of unforeseen medical crises finds no purchase. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit stands as a bastion of assurance, a fortress of resilience against the unseen foes of health. Within its sacred confines lie the tools of salvation. Ivermectin, to ward off the insidious whispers of disease. Emergency antibiotics, to quell the raging storms of infection. Antivirals, to vanquish the relentless tides of contagion and more. The Wellness Company Medical Emergency Kit is not merely a collection of supplies, it is the embodiment of preparedness itself. Crafted by the hands of esteemed healers led by luminaries such as Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Harvey Risch, and Dr. Drew Pinsky, this kit stands as the pinnacle of safety, the zenith of prevention. These truth-seeking doctors have forged a testament to vigilance, a testament to the unwavering pursuit of well-being. Embrace the certainty that comes from being armed against adversity. Embrace the Wellness Company, for in its embrace lies the promise of resilience, the promise of a brighter tomorrow amidst the chaos of today. Don't wait for the next crisis to strike. Visit twc.health forward slash strange planet and use promo code strange planet for an exclusive 10% discount. Prepare today and rest easy tomorrow. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, a materials engineering scientist talks about directed energy weapons, wildfires, and 9-11, and how the Category 3 hurricane, which was located off the coast of New York City on 9-11, may be connected to the destruction of the World Trade Center towers. A huge Category 3. It went straight towards Manhattan till that morning, and it stopped. And that afternoon, it turned around and started heading out of town. I don't want to go through speculation, but I do have a question. If they knew this thing was aimed straight towards Manhattan for four days, how can they be 100% sure when it's going to turn around to the point they don't warn anybody? There's no voluntary evacuations. But if it lingered any bit longer, you would have had massive flooding because... Manhattan is right at sea level. JFK Airport is right at sea level. So it it does uh, lead to wonder, okay, uh, weather control here? (laughs) For all of you who've taken the time to fill out the short, simple survey, thank you. It means a lot, and it's very helpful to small, independent podcasters like me. 
Now, if you haven't filled it out, it's not too late. Let me give you the URL right now. You can also find it in the episode notes. Here it is. HTTP colon double forward slash survey.libsyn.com L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com forward slash conspiracy hyphen unlimited. Once again, HTTP colon double forward slash survey.libsyn.com L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com forward slash conspiracy hyphen unlimited. Thanks for all your support. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard Serrett. Welcome to your Wednesday. Well, we have arrived at the house here in Kalamata, just outside Kalamata. The boys are having a siesta as I record this. Uh, After all, they had a 10-hour flight and a four-hour bus ride down here from Athens, and they are exhausted, as am I. However, the uh, mighty Aphrodite was at the Kalamata bus terminal to pick us up, and uh, she's pretty tired too. She's been busy getting the house ready. And so here we are uh, for the rest of August and for the first week and a half of September. Uh, They've had serious, serious wildfires here in Greece, as you well know. A very sad situation. At least 91 people dead. Tourists, residents. Uh, The Minister of Police here just resigned after it was reported that police sent drivers into the path of the fire. Inadvertently, of course, but a terrible, terrible error. Uh, Many lives were lost when residents and tourists uh, were unable to escape the narrow streets of towns and villages like Mati uh, to get to the coast. Uh, And I'll have more to report on this as I get out uh, and into town. I'm still recovering from the flight. Uh, Quite frankly, I haven't left the house since arriving yesterday afternoon. Uh, Despite the fires and the horrible death toll, it is absolutely breathtaking here. Now, speaking of wildfires... Of course, they're raging in California as well with equally tragic results. And a number of you have emailed wondering if the fires were deliberately set. Not simple arson, which happens all the time, of course, but deliberately set by using some directed energy weapon. Some of you even referenced the work of Dr. Judy Wood in your emails. She, of course, talks about the possible use of some kind of directed free energy technology on 9-11 that was used to turn the WTC buildings to dust. That's right, dust. She doesn't use the word collapse. They didn't burn. They didn't slam to the ground. Mostly, they turned to dust in midair, she says. Now, is it possible that what did that is also responsible for starting wildfires in California and Greece? Well, her answer is going to surprise you. Dr. Judy Wood earned a PhD degree from Virginia Tech and is a former professor of mechanical engineering. 
She has research expertise in experimental stress analysis, structural mechanics, deformation analysis, materials characterization, and materials engineering science. Her research has involved testing and image analysis methods to determine physical properties of materials and measure how materials respond to forces placed on them. Her area of expertise involves interferometry in forensic science. She taught graduate and undergraduate engineering classes and has authored or co-authored over 60 peer-reviewed papers and journal publications in her areas of expertise. In the time since 9-11, she has applied her expertise in material science, image analysis, and interferometry to a forensic study of over 40,000 images hundreds of video clips, a large volume of witness testimony, analysis of dust samples, seismic data, and the analysis of other environmental evidence pertaining to the destruction of the World Trade Center complex. Dr. Wood has conducted a comprehensive forensic investigation of what physically happened to the World Trade Center site on 9-11. To this day, Dr. Wood's investigation and body of evidence, as compiled in her book, is the only comprehensive forensic investigation in the public domain. Where Did the Towers Go? is not a book of poetry, yet it has some beautiful prose. It is not a novel, yet it tells a complete story. It is not a photography book, yet the pictures will grab you. It is not just a textbook, yet its data is empirical and it teaches critical thinking. It is not the Bible, yet it will be one of the most important books you will ever read. Dr. Judy Wood, welcome to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you? Great, thank you very much. We have wildfires in California, and we also have wildfires here in Greece. I just arrived uh, Monday, and um, people have been sending me uh, images, photos, and saying, hey, wait a minute, there's something very strange going on here. One of the fires in uh, Greece, they showed um, a vehicle, a smoldering vehicle that had obviously been on fire, but all around it, the surrounding vegetation seemed relatively untouched. And then I thought of Dr. Judy Wood and where did the towers go? Uh, the evidence of directed free energy technology on 9-11 and uh, the photographs in your book. And I thought that seems kind of familiar. What do you think, uh, Dr. Judy? What's going on? And let's start with California. Well, you need to be very careful that you don't say it looks like, so therefore. And the example I like to give is uh, you, you see a car run over a body and the person's now dead. So you, so you arrest the person for murdering him, running over him. Then you, it turns out you collect more evidence. And why more evidence is important, turns out the body's cold and has a bullet hole in it. It doesn't even have blood coming out. So it was killed elsewhere and dumped there. True, true, yes. So, so you have to look at all of the evidence rather than just one detail it looks like, so therefore. <clears throat> and that's a, it's a very easy uh, trap to fall into, and that's actually you know how uh, the tricks of magicians work. Yes, yes, that is true. But when I saw the similarity, I thought, well, let's talk to Dr. Judy Wood because she's written a book about this. I mean, you've seen images from the wildfires. Uh, what what do you think there's anything unusual going on? Uh, yes, uh, and no. Um, you know, you have to. You know, how many uh, wildfires have you investigated? What do wildfires normally look like? The you know what what has changed over time? And one of the first things that comes to my mind 
is that uh, the forest industry, they had a stake in whether or not there were forest fires, because that's their livelihood. So they had fire towers. They'd get up and look out to see if anybody saw any fires. And so they would catch a fire before it started spreading, before it became a problem. That's one thing that's changed. Also, the biggest thing uh, is, you know, I, that I see is uh, we now have all sorts of electromagnetic signals in the air. You know, cell phone towers, Wi-Fi, uh, smart meters, y- you name it. There's lots of electromagnetic signals, as well as lots of radio stations and, and uh, TV stations. So you could have unintended consequences, but again, you need to study the effects of this. Well, you know, could, a radi- could, could increased cell tower, increased uh, EMF in the air, how could that cause a fire? Well, it, it, it creates uh, you know, uh, field effects in, in, a, in a region, and it could be that makes something more likely or more susceptible. It's it's not just one thing, but but also I, I looked at the uh, uh, accumulated uh, rain in California uh, for the past ninety days. It's five percent of normal. So it's 5%. very dry there. Very dry. Right. And and if uh, you look at the past sixty days or the past thirty days, you notice it's starting to become extreme up the the west coast, up into uh, the state of Washington. So everything is getting toasty dry. Right, right. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's it's often dry this time of year in California, and we often have wildfires. Um, But you said something very interesting about the forestry industry. They have a stake uh, in whether fires burn. They they used to, but but, uh, they've sort of been shut down. And the government's taken over the land, doesn't let them log it so much anymore. Right, so they don't have have the, the fire towers anymore? Well, they're not manning fire towers to to look out. And uh, I remember as a kid, uh, you know, in Washington State, that's where my dad's from, uh, you know, we'd go be hiking and we'd come to a fire tower. And, you know, people would often man the fire towers and just look out to see if there's a fire. You could see it easily starting before it became a problem. Right. And it could be extinguished, you know, rather quickly. Well, that's an interesting uh, and important factor, obviously, why there, there's no more early warning uh, system, in other words. Right. And if the whole western United States is bone dry, uh, it doesn't take much to get things ignited. <clears throat> and I, I started wondering about, you know, the cars. They don't look, it doesn't look the same, because uh, the ones in uh, uh, around the World Trade Center, they were... They look like some look like they were sandblasted for a new paint job. They're more uniform, where where you know genuine fires uh, have patterns uh, around them. But I notice a similarity with the regular car fires. You see somebody posts a video of their you know car that caught on fire on the highway, um, and you got to thinking about what causes those. Uh, if you have cheap fuel lines, probably on a hot day, and you uh, puncture to do something, you know, that that's easy to get that ignited. All right. You know, if, you, if your car is real hot. Oh, I see what you're saying. It's a hot day. Yeah. Like if it's, a, you know, neoprene or rubber or something like that, it has a pretty low melting temperature. 
compared to like stainless steel ones, you know, cheap cars aren't going to have stainless steel ones. All right. So what you're saying is that, that there are far more likely a prosaic explanation for, for the wildfires in California. Uh, obviously, it's, it's uh, very dry there, even drier than normal for this time of year. We have um, right. um, the possibility that these cars that are on fire, just because they're, over, they're overheating and they have cheap fuel lines. Uh, or, or, or they're next to a, a, a something that does catch fire. So they're more likely to catch fire. Right. Yes. If it's super dry and it's super low humidity level, there's just so many things you have to, again, you need more evidence and more data rather than it just, it looks like, because uh, wildfires look really weird. I, uh, last year I studied um, some Australia ones, and what was I found fascinating is that it started at a cell phone tower, or right below the cell phone tower. And it it just took off like crazy, and people couldn't get in their cars and uh, drive, you know, out on the road to get away from it fast enough. So you know, some people died in their houses because it just it just takes off quickly. Right, and again, you 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 think that in that case, EMF may have been a contributing factor. A c- contributing, yeah, because it was like right in that area. I think it, it was a lightning storm. I think it took down the. Um, the cell phone tower, I don't remember all the details exactly, but that's where the fire started. And it just, you know, took off lickety-split after that because it was so dry. It was bone dry there. However, the idea uh, that a fire could be started from some sort of directed free energy technology, I mean, that's not thats not mere paranoia. It may not be correct in, uh, in this case, but... Does that, I, that I think it's more likely that it's it's an unintended consequence. I think that's more likely that uh, you know just that that it's something that we haven't seen an environmental impact statement for all these cell phone towers, right. you know, and, and the smart meters and all that. Can they be contributing to it? I think it's likely. So so they're making a you know a, a ideal environment. And you just need to get it started and poof, it, away it goes. Um, much like the uh, tornadoes in the Midwest, they suddenly became super-duper tornadoes beginning the summer of 2008. Well, it turns out February 2009 was the deadline for switching TV to digital from analog. And they were putting in all sorts of brand-new radio frequency transmission towers. And being in the Midwest, you have a static field that moves on through, you know, Tornado Alley. So you, you, you're fixing to have a problem because we know from John Hutchison's work that you put a uh, radio frequency signal, interfere it with a static field, and poof, you get weird things. Oh, that's fascinating. Happening. Right. Like that's when, you know, the birds fell out of the sky. I looked where, where that had happened. It was right between two radio towers. And a, a storm system had just moved through. So these cell towers, all of this EMF is is messing with weather patterns. It very well could. Yep, I, I'm convinced of that from what I what I've studied with weather, weather patterns over the past several years. And like in my neighborhood, uh, we have these gully washer rains that we never used to have, where we, like you know, five inches of rain in in one hour, and then two blocks over they don't have any rain. How's that work? That is bizarre. Hmm. And you don't subscribe. Or, or that, you don't subscribe to man-made global warming. 
claim climate change, man-made climate change. I guess. We, I guess. It, we we have climate change, but that's it's normal. It's, it's happened throughout history. Uh, there's, you know, the I guess it's Lewis Carroll. Who was it that did? Uh, no, who was it that did? Uh, you know, Ebenezer Scrooge. That story. Dickinson. Dickens, okay. Charles, uh, Charles Dickens, Dickens, sorry, Charles Dickens. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, you know the the River Thames in in London was frozen over. When was the last time it's been frozen over? It's like a long time ago. So there was a mini ice age, you know, at that time, and there's been various uh, changes throughout history, and, and it always would, and why not? But 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 in this case, uh, it would appear that that at least weather patterns are being affected. Unintended consequences of man-made activity. Um, I, you got to be careful with the man-made. What you know? What is the evidence for the man-made? Just because climate's changing and there's people on the planet doesn't mean one caused the other. No, no, no. I, I mean, I don't. I don't subscribe to anthropogenic climate change either. What I'm suggesting sure. is that it, that, for example we could cha- be changing weather patterns with EMF, which is an unintended consequence. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, right, like the Midwest stuff as well. That's why I suspect, uh, you know, you have this bone-dry environment in California and on up to, in, in, you know, Nevada, too, on over. And then you have all these uh, cell phone towers and uh, Wi-Fi and whatever else you're putting in the air. Um you know what's what's the uh, environmental impact statement? Right. We, we nobody's ever said that they act like it's it's uh, doesn't do anything, and we know it does. What about what's happening in Greece? Uh, same type of situation. Again, it is it has been very dry, uh, but but there are people who are saying you know that that uh, that there is something fishy going on. Because they haven't seen so much like that before. Well, things do change. Now, uh, can you imagine that, like, prior to 600 BC, when there was a total eclipse of the sun, the, the people reacted with, you know, you did it, you did it. No, it, you know, the gods are punishing us because of something you did or whatever, and they start fighting about it. Right. right. Um, and and without all the understanding. It's it's easy to start pointing fingers before you understand it, but you can't understand it while you're busy pointing fingers. True enough. Theoretically, though, Dr. Judy Wood, based on your research of what happened uh, uh, during 9-11, could some sort of directed free energy technology be used uh, to start a fire? Oh, to start one, but but, uh, it's easier just to have a lightning storm because that happens. And that's a normal part of nature in the West that actually the trees out there, I understand, need to have lightning storms you know, and, and fires to be able to germinate. And it's part of the cycle of the, of the tree growth. Right. Okay. Uh, so, so let's talk about what, what's been happening with you since uh, you've published Where Did the Towers Go? Um, where has your research taken you since that point? Uh, noticing things in general and patterns of um, how uh, information is suppressed, how, uh, yeah, you know, you don't want to look there because you don't want to be an idiot because you're an idiot if you look over there, so don't, you know, don't go, don't go look there. And how easily people fall into that trap. That's for sure. 
But you did look there and uh, you caught a, a lot of hell for that. But I mean, are you still looking there? Are you still uh, researching uh, directed free energy technology? Yeah, and but the, the big thing about what happened on 9-11 is that uh, it was an exhibit of a technology that can be used for free energy. Just like in uh, August, August 6, 1945, what happened in Hiroshima was evidence of nuclear power plants. No, nuclear power plants didn't destroy Hiroshima, but it was a demonstration that a technology exists that can be used for that. Right, right. So, and that's what was a demonstration. If everyone understood that, you know, 9-11 was a demonstration right in front of the world, but people were told to see something else. But if they look and they see, oh my gosh, that building turned to dust in midair. How'd that happen? How can we use this for good? It, it would just change the world completely. Was it an unintended consequence? Of what happened to buildings? Yes. Uh, I, I certainly don't think so. It was very um, localized, you know, especially all the various stories that uh, were promoted that go along with it, like the, you know, the airplane story and, and uh, whatnot. There, you know, somebody orchestrated something there. We knew that we had finally solved the case through his confession. The history of rock and roll is littered with suspicious deaths and the unexplainable. The last thing he said to anybody was to Suge Knight, and it was on Dying Man. Lennon, Hendrix, Presley, Jim Morrison, the truth told by the experts and the people there. Revelations that will blow your mind. The Rock and Roll Twilight Zone with Richard Serrett. Listen and subscribe at Apple Podcasts and Google Play. The truth goes through three stages. First, it is ridiculed. Then, it is violently opposed. Finally, it is accepted as self-evident. Let me just read that again. I don't know what that means. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Dr. Judy Wood, author of Where Did the Towers Go, is here. And for, the, for those not familiar with Where Did the Towers Go, the evidence of directed free energy technology on 9-11, what what are the what is the signature uh, when you examine let's say for example the, the the videos of the towers collapsing what is the signature of oh they didn't collapse well they, <laughs> they, they disappeared dust. they turned to dust yes yeah uh, when, when folks have written to me about these California fires you know they, they say no oh, it looks just like so therefore and you know I used to answer back but I don't bother to anymore and just, oh did people look up and see blue sky and walk out of their houses. Because that's what happened at the World Trade Center. They looked up and there wasn't a building there, and they, you know, they saw a blue sky and they walked out on their own out of the North Tower. And that is rather incredible. They didn't get burned up, and uh, you know, they, they didn't get um, uh, crushed. So the building went away right above them, but they, they're in a lucky spot. Right, right. What el- what other signatures uh, you 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 show? In your presentations, well, you show these eye beams literally dissolving like an elk. Yeah, they they dissolve. The ones that you can follow some as they're coming down, and they just uh, dustify. And it's not hot. Uh, biggest uh, demonstration of that probably is the, um, you know, the Pope came to visit and, and went to the 9/11 museum. And there's this uh, Bible artifact there with uh, uh, previously uh, liquid metal that was resolidified on the page. 
the, the pages weren't burned. They didn't look uh, cooked at all. That's an excellent point. Molten, le- molten or liquefied metal the, falls on a page without heat. without heat. How is that possible? Uh, John Hutchison can do that. He had uh, some samples of some wood uh, embedded in aluminum. The aluminum had melted around the wood. Well, if you heated the, the aluminum high enough to melt over the wood, it would have burned up the wood. Right. So it just transmutated. Yeah, just it just liquefied. I, I think of it kind of like, um, remember, uh, what's it called? Musical chairs. Yes. Yeah, well, the music's playing, everybody's up moving around, the music stops, you're supposed to sit in a chair, and there's always one less chair than the number of people, and that's, somebody gets pulled out. Uh, think of um, the, when the field effects are turned on, the atoms are up, you know, moving around. And then when the, the uh, field gets turned off, they have to sit down wherever they are. Right. And I think that's how uh, you get straw through trees and that type of thing. Or two befores through trees, and you get that in weather uh, events too. So it it occurs naturally that physics. We just are taught something else. We're taught that it's it's high wind and it's a vacuum cleaner. It's you know like in tornadoes, but it's uh, actually the field effects that lift stuff up. Oh, that's interesting. Now, so what was going on then with the the cars that that uh, people noticed? On the, um, I think it was the FDR freeway and so forth, quite a ways away from the tower. They were just yeah. turned over on their, on the roof of the car, or the car was burned, but nothing else around it was burned. What was going on there? Well, it's also I don't know how those got there, but but uh, I like to look at the the um, Embassy Suites parking lot, which is diagonally across from the WTC six. It's about 750 um, feet away or so. Uh, and the paper is a sea of unburned paper between the two places. It was the same make and model of cars that would, you know, get get destroyed. Uh, who knows? You know, something weird was going on in various locations. Also up West Broadway, um, they sometimes call it the swamp. But there's something interesting that occurs is in, with this uh, EM field effect. Cars can build up a charge, and because they're up on rubber tires, they can't discharge very fast. Ah, that's interesting. Okay. But the signposts next to them that's potted in in the ground, that can. Interesting. Interesting. And the same with the pattern with the, the towers. You know, yeah, they're grounded, but it's a long way down to the ground. And I have the feeling that uh, Stairway B was just better uh, uh, grounded. And that's why, you remember the spire that kind of lingered afterwards? Yes. That it, it didn't dustify quite right away. And I think it, it um, could discharge faster. In John Hutchison's work, if something levitated, it would be building up a charge faster than it could discharge. And the thing would get kind of destroyed. Any idea what where you would have to place a weapon like that in order to achieve that effect? Uh, it's a field effect. Uh, it's two things. You need a, a static field, something like John Hutchison's work. You need a static field, and, and what he does interfere radio frequency signals within that static field. And you can create that static field various ways, or maybe the, the hurricane that was nearby did that. 
we know there there was electrical uh, effects from it because there was dry thunder, um, and then just you know interfere various uh, radio frequency signals like microwave or whatnot, and uh, voila, there you go. <clears throat> Where did this technology come from? Did it was it was it born out of the, the strategic defense initiative? I think it's been around even longer than that. You know, even you could argue that it's talked about in the Bible. The walls of Jericho come down. <laughs> ah, yes, yes. Well, that the 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 Ark of the Covenant perhaps uh, was a giant yep. capacitor. Yep, exactly. There's various uh, things that people used to, you know, be more observant, and they would observe these things and understand them. But also, they were taught not to observe. And like even to this day. Uh, in general, people don't understand what tornadoes are or what, what um, hurricanes are. They, they, they're taught that tornadoes are just air that's, that's swirling around real fast, not realizing that uh, the anti-gravity effects of it, it's a weird field effect. And why does it cut off buildings like a straight line? That's it, uh, peculiar. And uh, what happened on 9-11... Um, there's you know a straight line across the north wing of building four, and that reminded me so much of this tornado aftermath of a tornado I saw as a child. And you know, could they have weaponized tornadoes? You bet. Hmm. How, what did, same kind of uh, physics. What role did the hurricane uh, play on 9/11? This hurricane that was is headed for <laughs> Long Island. No one seemed to be talking about it, but we 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 saw it on the uh, on the weather radar. What was happening? Oh, a huge, a huge Category Three. You know, it was big. It, it went straight towards uh, Manhattan till that morning, and it stopped. It was outer bands were at the end of Long Island, and it was actually raining on Cape Cod. And then it stopped, and that afternoon, it turned around, and started heading out of town. Is this a coincidence? Who knows? You, you know, I, I, I don't want to go to, to to speculation, but I do have a question. If they knew this thing was aimed straight towards Manhattan for, for four days, how can they be 100% sure when it's going to turn around to the point they don't warn anybody? So There's no voluntary evacuations just right. in case. If it, if it lingered any bit longer, you would have had massive flooding because Manhattan is right at sea level. JFK Airport is right at sea level. You're right. You're absolutely right. So it, it does uh, lead lead you to wonder. Okay, uh, weather control here. <laughs> so is that? I mean, I know we're speculating, but is is that what that that technology was designed for? What what what's the connection between the hurricane and what brought the what turned the towers to dust? Um, I can't prove anything, but what I can say is, well, I can't prove that it was. You know that's what it was there for, but I can state there's evidence that of an electrical field in that area because the three major airports, LaGuardia, JFK, and Newark airports, all reported dry thunder that day. So clearly, it was a static environment. And that within doesn't. That, go go ahead. Within that environment, all you need is a radio frequency signal to uh, do some weird things. That's how John Hutchison does it. He's you know gives some good parallel evidence. Where would you base that weapon? Would it be in the sky? Would it be on the ground? Uh, who knows? Who knows? 
uh, you could probably put it in adjacent buildings or in the sky or you know underground. Who knows? You know, but that's not so important. And uh, someone gave me this this great uh, analogy of cell phones. Uh, when you make a cell phone call, uh, do you know what tower you're connected to? No. You just know that you're within range. Right, right. Because it works. And so you have a static field. It's sort of like the range of a, of a cell phone tower. Okay. Makes sense. I so follow. you don't need to know. And, and I also like to, you know, talk about the evidence, because it speaks more loudly than anything, because you can't argue with that. And we know that something uh, turned the building into, most of the building into dust in midair. And that right there is proof, absolute proof, that a technology exists that can do that, because it was done. That's no speculation. It happens, so therefore, a technology that can make it happen must exist. Right. What do you, what do you imagine they're doing with that technology now? Ooh, lots of things. Also, before then, there's, there's other uh, instances that I've been more skeptical about, uh, you know, like like uh, the building in Dubai, I guess. Was it there? Or? I forgot where it was. Uh, as well as the Oklahoma City building. The Oklahoma City, right, right. And, and that had cylindrical holes in it, too. Toasted cars. What is the significance was, uh, of the cylindrical holes? Uh, it's just a similarity with, uh, you know, building six had lots of cylindrical holes in it. Building five did, too. In the windows? Oh, no, cylindrical holes like uh, a big hole punch, like 24 feet in diameter. Right, right. And in the street, there were some holes. But, um, you know, it's not a natural uh, process, having an empty hole. You know, if something, you say, fell and made the uh, circular or cylindrical hole, you should be able to look down and see it. And the hole's empty. How is that related there- to the field effect, do you think? Um, I think that uh, there might be something that goes vertically up from the ground. You know, think of um, sort of almost invisible wire that's up vertically, and then at a certain radial distance from that line is a a field effect, and it just dustifies everything in that path. So whatever was coming up through the hole was dustified? Or, or that that's how the whole happened. It's just a, a place in space. Think of drawing a line between two points in space, and then at the same radial distance from the the line between the two points, everything's justified. Right. If had, this happened to be up from the ground, so I think this this uh, it might be a significance with that. Everything being up from the ground. If you had a sample of the dust from the World Trade Center complex. Would there be any signatures in the dust? Anything that you could investigate, look at, examine? Well, yeah, you'd end up with uh, you know particles of, of every constituent of the building, but um, they'd also uh, you know be particles would be smaller than anything you'd seen from anything else. We're talking about one one hundredth of the size of red blood cells, or approximately the size of DNA. Much of the dust was. You know, grinding process does not do that. Right, right. So there was, it was a different kind of process happening there. And also, uh, you had coarse dust land that broke down and became finer dust as time went on. 
How do we know that? How do we know that? um, The coarse dust falls out of the air, and you can see, like, looking westward, uh, you know, blue sky out there. But then you see these people walking around, kicking up this fine dust that just hangs in the air. They couldn't have settled out. It was so fine that it, 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 it hung in the air. It hung in the air. But it, it didn't hang in the air initially. It had, it, it had to be coarse dust in order to land. And then broke down. So when people started walking around, it, it kicked up. And again, the grinding process can't account for that. Right. Right. Where do we go from here? Uh, it's it's so important to take in evidence and make observations, and that's like why people way back when could understand some things. Uh, you know, like look look at what tornadoes are. In uh, you know, several years ago, was it 2013? Not sure. It was April 3rd, in any case, in Dallas, Fort Worth. They had these tractor trailer trucks where just the trailers went flying in the air, not the not the uh, front part, and not dumpsters or anything else. Now, what what do you see as a pattern? They're up on rubber tires. Ah. And they went like a couple hundred feet in the air. And they didn't crash to the ground. They just kind of gently sat down. They might have slumped over in a few places. A field effect. Yeah. You ever, yeah, you ever notice how uh, tornadoes like uh, trailer parks? Yes. A trailer park, uh, you know, homes are, are not very well uh, grounded. They're grounded, but not real well-grounded, so they can build up a charge faster than they can discharge. Well, they also, they don't have foundations, so they're easily thrown around. One could say that. Right. <laughs> but uh, if they were sort of potted in concrete or, or had, uh, you know, more stuff grounding them, because they're, they're up off the ground. It's kind of like the, the toasted cars in New York. Because, again, they're on rubber tires and they can't discharge. You just charge as fast as they can build up the charge. Right, right. It's the relative difference. Fascinating. All right, uh, yep. Dr. Judy. Well, thank you so much. How can people, uh, can people still get a hold of the book? Oh, yeah. Uh, WhereTheTowersGo.com, or it's also available on uh, Amazon. But what is so important is what you get through learning to observe without jumping to conclusions. It's easy to come up with conspiracy theories and and guesses and so forth. It's difficult to have the discipline to just look at the evidence and see what the evidence is saying. Because if you jump to conclusion, you're going to ignore vital pieces of evidence. And that's, uh, you know, really important to, to learn. All right. So um, I, I, I do I do have one other uh, tidbit that, yes, that yes, might please. be uh, interesting is uh, flight 587 out of Manhattan two a little over two months after or two months and a day after the 9/11 event. Yes. Same year. Do you remember it crashed? Everybody thought it was another terrorist event. Okay. What do we think it was? What do uh, we? It it uh, took off right behind a big Japanese airliner. And it was a little bit too close and had turbulence. That wasn't so much the problem as uh, the less experienced pilot was uh, had learned that you make the rudder go to get out of turbulence. And he went, you know, hard left, hard right, you know, hard left. And he tore off the tail of the airplane. Now, that was just with air forces. They're at about 2,400 feet. 
about twice the height of the World Trade Center. Not only that, as the, the, the pieces started coming down, the engines were torn off the plane. Hmm. What does that tell you about a plane going, supposedly going twice the speed and banking a tight, tight turn into the towers? It couldn't Could do it. It, it. it couldn't do it. Exactly. And the, the best evidence, we have a demonstration right there. American Airlines Flight 587. Yep. Yep. Provides more evidence that that particular maneuver, if it had, if they, if they had tried it, they would have sheared off the tail section. Yeah, this, this guy was just making the tail, you know, really a really hard turn, and you know, it, we've always been told that you can't make an airplane go that fast at sea level, but this is perfect evidence of it. The air is so so uh, thick there, but also that it tore the the engines off of the plane. Hmm. On the way down, they landed before the the main body did. There so you go. No uh, one is. I don't think anyone has made that connection between uh, American Airlines Flight 587 that crashed in Queens, uh, by the way, and uh, that happened just a couple months, as you say, after 9/11. Yeah, it was the 12th of November. 2001, and it it shows. I mean, this plane was in perfect condition, and is is unfortunately this this uh, the first officer had been taught to if you're in turbulence, you use the rudder hard, and he went hard to the right, hard to the left, hard to the right, and then the, the tail came off the plane. It ripped it off. It was like one and a half times the maximum uh, design strength of the of the bolt, and once you, you lose a tail, you're done. Right. But couldn't one just say, well, but the, the, the planes that flew into the World Trade Center towers weren't going hard right, hard left. They just flew straight in. Uh, but they, they had this big bank. Remember, they came down this big banking. Right, okay. But also, also they're going, you know, okay, the, the fact that the engines were torn off of Flight 587, the engines landed, you know, well away from where the main thing landed. They, they landed first, so they, came, they were torn off. The fact they were torn off by the plane moving fast through the air shows that, you know, the the World Trade Center, quote, planes um, would have been coming apart. Their engines would have been torn off. Plus, they're coming through this tight bank, for, you know, whatever speed. Right. And if you go uh, twice the speed, it's like four times the stress. Okay. So were the planes a hologram? What do you think? Uh, I think it was some kind of uh, image thing. It, it messing with image. I, from what I've seen, that you have, um, and a lot of people have done, you know, more research into that. But, but I noticed depending on the angle of the image, it, it looks totally different. You know, pencil plane or a chubby plane. The the big one that hit me like within a day or two of the event was the I call it the black whale image. If you're looking westward at nine in the morning. That sunlight's got to reflect off of that body somewhere, and it wasn't. It's was like a black hole. So when, when light doesn't do what you think it's supposed to do, you start wondering about what's happening with the optics. But but uh, you know people make assumptions. That's real easy for people to do. You, you know, especially it, they're shown this deal about airplanes, and the building goes poof, and they assume that the building that the airplanes caused the poof of the building. And that's all that's needed, and then they're they're done. So that's what what happens when you use assumptions. Well, Dr. Judy Wood, well, thank you so much for uh, certainly number one disabusing us of this notion that 
the, the wildfires in Northern California or California and Greece were caused by some directed energy weapon. Uh, and well, also that, doesn't, that doesn't just take that out of it. It's, it, you know, it, it, the, it could be an unintended consequence. Right. Uh, but uh, it's, it's best not to jump to such conclusions, especially if you haven't studied wildfires. Excellent. Excellent points. Thank you so much. And again, it's wheredidthetowersgo.com. Yes. Dr. Judy Wood. Always a pleasure. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Dr. Judy Wood, a very, very bright individual, uh, very controversial to say the least. Now, before I say goodnight to the moon over the Messinian Bay, I'm going to tell you what's in store for episode 103. The Horrible Movie Podcast is a weekly show hosted by Jack Altermat. Jack invites a guest who brings a horrible theater-released movie to dissect. Jack and his guest take you through the highs and lows of the movie and what makes it horrible. New movies, older movies, cult classics, or box office busts. No movie is spared or safe from the Horrible Movie Podcast. It's a fun show with clean language, and it's available through Spreaker.com, Apple Podcasts, StudioDNA.media, and everywhere you get your podcasts. Remember, just because it's from Hollywood doesn't mean it isn't horrible. Coming up next on Conspiracy Unlimited, the connection between countless mass shootings in North America and antidepressant drugs like Prozac, Paxil, Zoloft, and others. Expert court witness and author Anne Blake Tracy will be here to reveal what she's uncovered after more than three decades of research. Until next time, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting.